Welcome back to the Yellow Box Podcast. This week, we're joined by community pastor Ian Simpkins as we continue our series, Feed Yourself. For more information, please visit us at www.communitychristian.org. And remember, you can always find us on Sundays at the Yellow Box at 9.30 a.m., 11.15 a.m., and 5 p.m. And now on Monday nights at 6.30 p.m. We hope to see you there. Feed yourself. Mm. I still think that's the weirdest bumper we've ever had. Um, speaking of which, does anyone, does anyone here know how many times you're supposed to chew your food before swallowing? There's actually a technical answer to this. Did you know that? Maybe this section. Any guesses how many times you're supposed to chew your food? Someone passionately screamed 20. Wrong. Um, I like your passion, though. Maybe, maybe this section. How many times are you supposed to chew your food before swallowing? Three, also three. You need to see a doctor, like immediately. Um, okay, so the correct answer actually is 30. Wow. <laughs> 30 times. You're supposed to chew particularly dense foods 30 times before you swallow, which I'll be honest, I had a hard time picturing this, so I thought we'd give this a trial run this morning with some dense foods. I have everyone's favorite vegetable, the carrot, right? Who loves carrots in the house? (laughs) Maybe the first time in church history people have woo-wooed for carrots. Um, So what I'm going to do, I'm going to demonstrate 30 chews of a carrot in front of all of you, my closest friends. Um, This might be a good time to like plug your ears if this isn't for you, because it's about to get weird. So I'm going to chew it 30 times, and I want you to to count 30 silently in your head as I chew, okay? And we're going to make it all the way to 30. Are you with me? Are you with me? All right, let's do it. Uh, Steve, could I please get my carrot-chewing microphone setting, please? Here we go. Ready? Count silently in your head. I was right. That was weird, right? I need a drink of water. Turn to your neighbor real quick and go, that was gross. Uh. Go ahead. (laughs) Okay, so 30 times, but let's, let's be honest together, can we? Who's got time to chew each bite 30 times? None of us do, right? How many of you in the room, it's like two to three max and then down the hatch it goes? Right, right. Like, we don't have time for 30 chews per bite. We got appointments to get to. We have recitals to get to. We have binge watching to do, right? We can't spend 30 chews per bite. But what happens, though, when we don't adequately chew our food is that our body doesn't absorb the nutrients correctly. Chewing is an integral part of actually receiving the nutrients from the food that we eat. And I was thinking about that this week. Don't we sometimes do that with our spiritual lives? Like when it comes to reading scripture, don't we sometimes just read it to read it just to check a box? Like I'll be honest, um, that's true of me a lot of the time. I was raised in a really lovely, beautiful Christian home, but that was also a part of our schooling was to read scripture. And for much of my life, the Bible was something that you read to get through. 
to check a box, to accomplish a task. And it wasn't, it wasn't really till well into my adult years that someone challenged me to think differently about the Bible. To, to not just read through it, to get through it, but to chew on it, to, to really dive into it, to wrestle with it, to grapple with it. And that's kind of what this series is about. We, it's just a short three-week series talking about what it means to actually engage with this thing called the Bible, which isn't really a book, but it's a collection of books. And what does it look like to actually feed ourselves, to not just taste it, but to actually chew on it, to, to meditate on it, to dive in deep with this gift that we're given called the Bible. So today I want to take a look at a, uh, an Old Testament passage in the book of Psalms. And uh, I think the psalmist really understood this idea of diving into scripture, not just as simply something to check off, but to really engage with. Here's how the Psalms begins. It says, blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers. So, so first off, he's saying, here's where this blessing comes from, a couple of things not to do but whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night. He says, okay, so there's there's an analogy for that kind of person, the person who meditates day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither, whatever they do prospers. Okay, so the the verse opens with this kind of churchy sounding word called blessed, right? Right? And I mean, just at a first cursory reading, how many of us don't want a little more blessing in our life, right? I mean, who doesn't want that? Have have any of us ever woken up in the morning and said, you know what, God, I'm full up on blessing. No more for me, thanks. I'm I'm good in the blessing department. No, we, we all want blessed lives. Now, the Hebrew word here for blessed is maybe better translated happy. So you could kind of read the beginning of this passage. Oh, how very happy is the person. Happiness is something that I know that we all strive for in one way, shape, or form. For many of us, it's the thing that motivates most of our actions and interactions. So he's saying, blessed, happy is the person. But he he goes on to say, this this state of being doesn't just happen automatically. You You don't like fall into blessedness. You don't trip into happiness. These things come as a direct result of certain kinds of actions. So verse one goes on to list three things, three actions, right? Walk, stand, sit. Walk, stand, sit. And these things are stated negatively as things to avoid, right? First, do not walk in step with the wicked. Next, do not stand in the way that sinners take. And then lastly, do not sit in the company of mockers. So that's just pretty good advice, right? Like you become who you hang out with sort of idea that if you spend the majority of your time with these people doing those things, that's going to have an effect on your blessedness, on your happiness. That's, that's just true. So he says not to do those things, but then verse two states it positively. And this is where I, I really want to focus on today. Verse two says, blessed and happy are those who, whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night. So he said, blessed, happy is the person who doesn't do these things, but does delight in the law of the Lord. So I, I gotta ask you this morning, when was the last time you really delighted in God's word? Like, I know the answer to this question, and I, I gotta be honest, I didn't like it. Again, so often we treat scripture as a thing to like get through, right? A task 
to accomplish. But here this text is telling us, you know, there's, there's a direct correlation between our delighting in God's word and our happiness, our blessedness. It doesn't make all of our problems magically go away. But there is something mysterious, something mystical that happens when we actually delight in God's word. So I'm going to focus on a couple of words here. Uh, the first word is the word law. Now the word law simply means instruction. And again, I, I mentioned the, the Bible is many things, okay? And one of them is instruction, instruction for our lives, right here, right now. God's word is instruction. Now the second word that sticks out to me in this passage is the word meditate. Now in the original Hebrew, the word meditate is the word haga. Let me hear you say haga. Okay, so that was pretty good. This is like a real like phlegmy word. Like a lot of mucus is required. If you're not spitting on the necks of the person in front of you, you're not doing it right. So let's, let's try it again with some gusto. One, two, three. <laughs> Perfect. That was almost too good. So haga is this word meditate. And uh, if you're like me, sometimes meditate kind of gets a bum rap. Like when you think of the word meditate, how many of you picture something kind of like this? Right, that's, I call this one, Waldo finds himself. <laughs> that one's a throwaway, I'm sorry. Um, oftentimes when we think of this word meditate, we think of sort of, oh, just sort of find your center, sort of this passive, calm uh, state of being. But haga means something very different. Haga simply means this. Next slide, please. Haga means to engage with the text deeply. To engage with the text deeply. So it isn't this sort of, just sort of passive find my center. It is an active engagement. It's a, a grappling with. So when we talk about meditating on scripture, we're talking about wrestling, diving in, grappling with God's word. Then verse three goes on to talk about the person who is deeply connected to and delighting in God's word. And now not only is this person happy, right? Not only is this person delighting, but it goes on to say that person is like a tree planted by streams of water. Now, I really love this picture because I, th I think it communicates something really important. The, the one who delights in God's law, who, who finds like great joy in it, not only will that person find like a deep abiding type of blessedness, but that person will also be a blessing to everyone else around them. Right, like think about all the things that a tree can accomplish. It can provide food, it can provide shelter, you can build things out of it. When, when you are a person, when we are people who spend time in God's word, who meditate on it, who grapple with it, it's not only for our benefit, but for the people all around us. People around us will be blessed by our connection to the divine, our connection to the God who made us. Now, this passage, I think, communicates something really important, though, because the, the goal isn't for us to leave this space and just to be better at reading Scripture. Okay, just to say it out loud, that's not the goal. The objective isn't for us to just become better meditators. The, the goal is to grow in closeness with the God who made us, to grow in intimacy with the one who looks us in the eyes and calls us beloved. Now here at Community, we have a, a pretty simple rubric for engaging with scripture that we simply call this, uh, read, reflect, respond. Last week, we talked about the read portion. Just 
just drilling down, making time just to read. We use the idea of tasting. And then next week, we're going to talk about responding. Okay, so what do, we, what do we do with all this time that we spend in God's word? But today, I want to focus in on the reflect portion. And reflect is really another way to talk about meditating on God's word. Not just flying through it so we can get our five chapters for today, but to actually to, to haga, to, to wrestle with it, to grapple with it, to ask questions, to take time with it. So, so what I want to do is, uh, if you got this handout here, this was put in, your, uh, in the middle of your program, I want you to pull that out right now. And if you didn't get one that's in your program, just go ahead and wave around your hands like you just don't care. And one of our greeters would love to give you a handout. Take out this handout. My, my goal, my hope, is that this isn't just helpful like here and now, but that you would take this and put it somewhere that you'll see it. Because I think what we're going to talk about in the coming minutes is actually going to be really, really helpful for us to not just read scripture, but to actually engage deeply with it. Okay, so uh, I'm going to talk about four different things that will help us do this better. How to better engage with, how to better chew on God's word. The first is what we can do, uh, we can ask reflection questions. Ask reflection questions. Questions kind of like these. Uh, is there a command to obey? Is there something in my reading that says you need to be doing this? You need to be about this kind of life? Is there a promise to claim? Oftentimes, scripture is filled with promises of things maybe that we knew but we forgot. Sometimes it's something brand new that we've never really encountered. Is there a promise that we can claim amidst whatever our life circumstances are? Uh, third, is there a sin to avoid? Is there a sin to avoid? Fourth, is there a lesson to learn? And then lastly, is there a new truth or an old truth to carry with me? Oftentimes I'll read something that I, I already knew to be true, but like doesn't life sometimes have a way of beating that stuff out of us? In fact, in the New Testament, one of the attributes of the Holy Spirit, Jesus tells us, is to remind us of the things we already knew to be true. Isn't that comforting? God knew that we'd be prone to this sort of amnesia at times and so sends his spirit, the advocate he calls him, he says, he will remind you of stuff because you'll be prone to forget. You'll be prone to drift away. And reading scripture, meditating on scripture is one of the ways for us to engage with that. So we ask these questions, write down what you see. And we can ask questions like, what does it mean that this jumped out at me? What's the significance that this, of all things, kind of leapt off the page for me? Write that stuff down. What, why do you think that is? And trust that God is actually stirring in that moment. That if you, if you read a, a chunk of scripture and something just seems to leap off the page at you, that's not an accident. That's not happenstance. I, I think when God, that those, are, those are one of the ways that God sort of nudges us to grow in closeness with him. To address maybe an area in our life that's maybe busting us up a little bit inside. He's like, hey, pay attention to this part in particular. All right, the second thing we can do is uh, to use the Read Scripture app. We talked about this last week a little bit. If you have not downloaded this app, I'm telling you, I can't recommend enough that you do. You can go to the website or you can download it. It's got videos and resources. If you've ever read scripture and thought, what am I reading? Anyone ever had that experience before? Maybe you, st you started in Genesis because someone told you to. And then by the, by the time you got to Leviticus, you're like, what is this book? What's happening? What's going on? This app is an incredible resource to help better understand and frame, okay, what am I reading here? What's, what's going on here? The third option for engaging well, 
for chewing on scripture, not just reading it, is to find a commentary that you can read alongside your scripture reading. Now, there's no shortage of commentaries, and I'm going to be honest, some of them are not great. Just because someone wrote a book doesn't mean it's good, okay? Um, I would personally recommend N.T. Wright's For Everyone series. N.T. Wright is this brilliant Anglican bishop. He's a pastor. He's a New Testament scholar. And uh, he wrote these series of uh, commentaries specifically for the everyday reader. Like the whole point is for anyone to pick one up and for it to make sense. But it's it's rich and it's clear and it's concise. I cannot recommend uh, picking up his For Everyone series, uh, specifically maybe for a book that you're reading right now. Plus, if you can't afford to buy it, um, Patrick told me that he'd be happy to buy it for anyone who can't afford it. So just find him in the after party afterwards and he'll cut you a check right there. He'd be happy to, he's just that good of a guy. When we do that though, we're seeking to find not just what does this mean for me, this is very important. It's very easy for us to read scriptures like, well, what does this mean to me? It's also critical for us to understand what did this mean to the audience it was written for? I mean, you guys know the Bible wasn't written in English, right? The Bible was not written to a Western post-enlightenment American culture. The Bible was written for us, but it was not written to us. That's very important to keep in mind. So when we dive in, we want to better understand What did this mean for the original audience that it was written to and for? Because like I said, the the Bible's not a book. It's a collection of books. And between these pages, to communicate to all human conditions, God spoke through narrative histories, through genealogies, through chronicles, laws, poetry, proverbs, prophetic oracles, riddles, drama, biographical sketches, parables, letters, and sermons. There's a lot going on there. And so it can be really helpful for us to actually engage with scholarly work to help us better wrestle with, to grapple with, to haga. What what am I reading? What did this mean for them? And what does this mean for us today? Now, the fourth practice that I want to mention is this uh, ancient practice called Lectio Divina. Perhaps you've heard it called Lectio Divina. They're both correct. Lectio Divina simply means divine reading. And it's this really beautiful, like traditional Benedictine practice of spending time with Scripture. And again, I, I realize that for a lot of us, this may make us uncomfortable. Like, I have so much going on, I don't have time to spend time with the Bible. But I would, I would echo what the psalmist said in Psalm 1. Oh, how very happy. Oh, how very blessed is the one who grapples with this, who rests in it, who, who delights in it. Now, Lectio Divina really just essentially involves four movements. Here are the four movements. The four movements are to read, meditate, pray, contemplate. So we begin first with Read. And read isn't just like, okay, I'm just going to read it to get through it. It means to read it a couple of times. And as you read it, whether it's a verse or a chapter, whatever it is, focus on different parts each time. Focus on a different character or a different word or a different aspect of what you've read and just sort of ruminate on it a little bit. Like, spend some time with it. Even if it's just one short verse, just read it over and over patiently, focusing on different elements. Then we meditate on it. And it's only after we've read it a couple of times that we then hit pause and say, okay, what's really going on here? And remember, 
The focus and goal of meditation isn't for information, but intimacy. It's not just only to gain some new insight about this passage, but to grow in closeness with God. I'll admit again, this one's tough for me because like anything that I read in the Bible is a potential sermon. You know what I mean? Like anytime I read, okay, oh, that's, I could definitely use that next week. That's going to fit great. Like it's so easy to, to treat the Bible as sort of a textbook, right? Or maybe even a manual. Has anyone ever heard someone describe the Bible as a manual? A manual for life? Has anyone ever read like a manual to your toaster and been inspired? <laughs> like moved, like motivated? No, manuals don't do that. That's such a flat reading of what's really going on there. And through meditating on it, through chewing on it, we can actually learn something about us and about the text. So we pray in verbal dialogue with God in response to what he's showing us. We pray in dialogue. Once we've meditated, once we've read, we pray in verbal dialogue in response to what God's showing us. And like real talk, that doesn't have to be like all sunshine and roses either. That can sometimes be, God, I don't get this. Or this makes me upset. Or what am I supposed to do with that? Whatever it is that God's stirring up, whatever he's kicking up, like be honest about those things. Offer them to him and pray in verbal dialogue. And then lastly, we contemplate. Contemplate is praying and expressing gratitude to God for whatever it is that he's done in this time. Whatever he's shown you, whatever he's stirred. And in contemplation, I think, is a really important way of sort of quieting the noise of our lives. Does anyone's lives feel a little noisy from time to time? You know what I mean? And it doesn't even have to be like actual audible noise. Anyone just feel like it's noisy in here? Anyone like me keep a pad of paper next to your bed and just write down whatever crazy thought you have in the middle of the night just to get it out? Like we're filled with noise a lot of the time in contemplation. Contemplation is the way for us to just simply pray to God to offer gratitude to him for whatever he's doing in our lives. And the, the beauty of this practice is that you can do it anywhere. You don't, you don't need a, a Bible degree or a cathedral or incense or candles. You, you can do this anywhere. In fact, that's, that's kind of uh, part of our challenge this week. The first part of our challenge is this weekly portion. La- last week, we challenged everyone to taste every day, to read God's word every single day. And what, what I want to challenge you this week and in the coming weeks is to once a week carve out some time to just simply be with scripture. I'm not asking you to wake up at 3 a.m. every day, put on a monk robe, right, ring a bell somewhere. I'm not, but, but once a week to say, I've been taking two or three bites max. It's time to actually chew the word of God, to wrestle with what this means. The second challenge is together. As you read, as you meditate, like share with someone or multiple someone's what God is doing in your life. I, I, think, I think we'll be amazed if we actually began to open our mouths and share with others. Man, this may seem crazy, but I read this really obscure passage in the Old Testament and this phrase just leapt off the page and I, it has meant so much to me and my family. It has illuminated something about my own heart. It's given me clarity about Gary at the office who stomps on my last nerve, right? Like, God, I believe, will actually speak to us. He will move and stir in our lives. And I think maybe the best way to share those types of experiences is in what we call small groups. Now, we talk about small groups every single week here. If you're not in a small group, I cannot encourage you enough to join one. If you text this keyword, 
SGINFO to the number 313131. Someone this week will get back to you. They'll find a group that fits your needs, fits your schedule. Life is lived better in circles than in rows. I cannot encourage you enough. The other thing that you can do together is join one of our How to Read the Bible workshops. We're doing this all across community, and my dream and prayer is that when this is all said and done, like more than a thousand people have gone through it. This is a really brilliant class, workshop, small group to actually drill down deeper. What what does this mean? What am I reading here? What do I do with this? We'll have in-person options. We'll have online options. I, I cannot encourage you enough. I want to actually challenge you today to go to the website, check it out, sign up to even just get more information because this is a really, really brilliant opportunity for us to better engage with this gift that God has given us. And we need to remember that it's a gift. Most of us have Bibles we don't even know about collecting dust in a box somewhere. We have an app on our phone that's maybe buried deep in the homepage, Right? But the fact that there are whole people groups, languages, nations who don't yet have the Bible even translated in their language. We have a gift. God has given us his word. Not that we can skim past it a couple of times a week, but to engage with it, to dive in deep, to ultimately grow in closeness with God. In fact, we thought this was so important that we carved out some lab time today to actually do the last of our four options, the Lectio Divina. We're gonna actually practice that together. And I realize that for some of us that may feel real weird, really uncomfortable, that's totally okay. But it's my hope and prayer that God would do something, that he would stir in us in a way that only he can. So we're gonna engage with the text that we read last week. But before we do, I wanna ask you to do two things. First, uh, take whatever's in your hands and put it down either on the chair next to you or on the floor. Clear your hands, put both feet on the floor. And I want you to take a big, deep breath with me, would you? Just in and then out. One more time, in and then out. And then one last time, in and then out. Intentional breathing is one of the ways that we can really begin to focus in on what's going on in our heart. In fact, rapid breathing often is what keeps us distracted from what's really, really going on deep inside. So step one of Lectio Divina is to read. So let's read this passage aloud together. Ready? Here we go. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives us freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. So why don't you go ahead and close your eyes. Take another deep breath wherever you're at and let it out. Let me ask you, what parts of this passage stood out to you? What caught your attention? What words, phrases, or images jump out at you? I want to give just a few seconds to think about what we just read.
Okay, you can open your eyes. The second step is to meditate. Remember that meditate means to engage with the text deeply. So read the passage again silently. And as you do, focus on any particular phrase or word that you feel drawn to. Once you've found a word or a phrase that really resonates with you, repeat it multiple times. Give it your attention and ask these questions. Why do I feel drawn to this phrase or this image? What does it remind me of? What meaning does it hold for me? What might God be saying to me? Take a moment and just simply meditate on that text. Close your eyes again. The third step is prayer. So now I want you to take any thoughts, any feelings, any convictions or questions that you have and just simply offer them to God in prayer. Thank him for who he is. If you feel thankful for something specifically, pour out those feelings of thanksgiving. If you feel convicted about something, simply apologize, request forgiveness, and ask for guidance on restoring that which is broken. If you feel a specific anxiety about something in your life, just present it to God and pray for the guidance and peace to be able to submit to God's will. Take just a few moments with your eyes closed to silently pray to God. last step is contemplation with your eyes still closed this task is to simply be silent in the presence of God this is one of the most essential aspects for building a growing relationship with God one of the most valuable things that we can do with this feeling is to embrace it to just be with God silently express whatever gratitude or feelings come to mind. Let's pray together. 
God, thank you that you love us with a love that we could never possibly dream or imagine. And whatever stress, anxiety, joy, or fear we're feeling this morning, God, may may we better learn to loosen our grip around those things and to offer them to you. God, thank you for your word. Thank you for the gift that it is to us. Help us to better recognize what a gift it is. When we're challenged by it, when we're confused by it, when we're stirred by it, when we're overjoyed by it, whatever it is, God. Help us not just to read it, but to grapple with it, to wrestle with it, to meditate on it, to engage with it deeply. And may we as a result, not just for our own benefit be blessed, God, but bring blessing and joy and purpose and identity wherever we go, God. May our families be changed. May our communities be changed. Not because of who we are, but because of who you are. Thank you, God, for the gift of your word. We pray all these things in the beautiful name of Jesus. Amen.